Hello and welcome to another episode of NG Meets. This is episode 33 and the guest this week is Louise Cook from clothing charity organisation Sharewear Clothing. Sharewear recently celebrated their 6th anniversary and I had a chat with Louise who is CEO and founder of the organisation uh, to find out more about the fascinating story around how the charity got started and why uh, they chose she chose shot a clothing charity we talk about the sort of hidden uh, the hidden clothing poverty that often goes under the radar when you compare to things like you know food poverty heating poverty and things like that we also talked about the huge impact that the current uh, coronavirus pandemic and lockdown is having on the charity in terms of uh, you know the increased need but also obviously the impact is having on their resources and people available. Uh, it was a great chat to Louise and find out more about this fantastic charity. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed last week's episode with Alex from My House, Your House. It's proved to be one of our most popular episodes. I think probably obviously um, a lot of people are excited to hear My House, Your House are back, but also uh, to hear how that was dealing with the situation and uh, something obviously that's coming up a lot at the minute so hopefully you'll enjoy this episode and say there's a lot of talk about the impact that this is having not only now but also the impact this is going to have going forward because organizations like shareware you know they're going to have a huge part to play in the aftermath of this where we're going to see some huge uh, economical repercussions over all of this so enjoy the episode and let us know what you think and uh and what else you'd like to hear from us, but this is NG Meets episode 33 with Sharewear Clothing. Welcome to NG Meets and my guest today is uh, Louise Cook from Sharewear Clothing. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you Dan for having me. Not a problem and uh, before we get uh, sort of into talking about everything that's going on I thought the best thing to start with if you could just uh, tell our listeners a little bit about who Sharewear are and what it is you actually do. Okay so Sharewear Clothing Scheme um, opened its doors for the first time in March 2014 and we are a little bit like a food bank, but for clothes. So people are referred into us for free clothing support and bedding support. And they're referred in from the same kind of organisations that would refer into a food bank. So okay. from social services and from the voluntary sector. And we've got over 100 referral agents across the city and county. And as well as people being referred into our base for clothes, we also do bulk outreach deliveries to trusted organisations in the city and county who are able to have those clothes staying on standby to give to their clients who need them maybe more quickly than they can get over to our base to get them. So we, that's the kind of two separate ways in which we work. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And what, what sort of led to, to starting up Shareware? Where did the idea come from? The backstory is quite interesting, actually, in that um, in 2012, I did a little bit of volunteering in Sao Paulo in Brazil, in the favelas, in the, in the slums. And what I saw there, the model of charity that I saw um, there blew my mind in that um, it's quite the opposite of how some people think of charity over here in, in the UK and in Europe and in North America. And that... Um, it's not um it's not the model of um benefactor and deserving poor it's more a horizontal model where um we're all in this together and there's no such thing as people who need help and people who are able to give help actually it's all, all about just working horizontally as a team um so i won't say any more on that but basically in a nutshell that's what i saw being modeled in brazil and when i came back to nottingham to my career in teaching 
and voluntary kind of work and activism work that I've always been involved in in Nottinghamshire. My mind was was blown and I kind of wanted to get more involved in, in, in the great scene that we've already got in our city and county. I didn't want to set something up from scratch. I wanted to you know, throw, throw my, my hand behind things that were already happening. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and shortly after coming back, um, well, whilst in Brazil, I had a very serious accident on the penultimate day of the trip and, and should really have come back from Brazil paralysed, but, but didn't. Um, so that in itself was a bit of a life-changing experience. Um, and then after, after arriving back from Brazil, I, uh, I had a life-threatening experience in that I had an anaphylactic uh, reaction to something. Um, and paramedics saved my life, basically. At the same time as all of this was happening, my son had been volunteering for two years at our local food bank and start, had already started coming home saying, um, there are families asking for clothes every week, mom, and there's nowhere to send them. We, we, we say go to a charity shop and they say, no, I, I need like everything for everyone in my house. So one, I can't afford to buy that from charity shops. And two, charity shops don't carry that range of clothing because they carry everything else as well, furniture, books, etc. Yeah. This went on week after week and all those weird things happened to me at the same time as well. And I started to think, mm, I don't think somebody's trying to tell me something here. It's like all of these things have happened together. So when my son eventually came home in tears one week as a 17-year-old lad saying, I, I don't know what to do, Mum, we can't go on like this. There was a family of seven today in need at the food bank, in, in need of clothes. I said, you know, there's obviously something in this. There's a need for free clothing. And I don't think anyone's properly doing something about it. I know there are lots of organisations in Nottingham that help with free homeless clothing or help with certain types of clothing, like baby banks and things like that. But I don't think anyone's really joining up the dots here and providing a dedicated clothing service and my son literally threw down the gauntlet and said you've been looking for something to get involved in mom since he came back from brazil this is it this is what you need to look yeah. into doing and we looked into it we did the research i got some friends around me at my then church where i used to worship uh we got free use of a room in the church and and the rest is history and that's how we started basically and the, and the, and the, the end of that kind of startup story really is that um just on the cusp of us getting going i was then diagnosed with breast cancer as well um so we were going to open in the winter of 2013 yeah. Yeah. and my friends waited for me to come through the other side of my treatment because I, I think they maybe they thought, you know, I wouldn't have the capacity then to, to go ahead with our plans. But as soon as I finished active treatment, we uh, got back on it and eventually opened in spring 2014. So that's why there was a bit of a delay. I know I remained in treatment until 2018, really ongoing treatment. But as soon as my active treatment had finished, we, we got going. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, you, I mean, you were right. It was um, yeah. a very, a a very interesting story. And uh, yeah. but I guess that's so important to, to why it is what it is, you know, like you say, well, all of uh, those elements, particularly the, the, the traveling and the doing the work abroad and that has obviously yeah. played such a key part in why you've done this and how you've done it as well and influenced the way you've gone about it. Well, the Brazil model, I mean, as we, as we carry on to talk about, the nitty gritty of what we do and, and like what we're doing now as well. The Brazil model is really evident in our work and, and with, without meaning to really, I've ended up replicating what, what a little bit of what I saw when I was in Brazil yeah. uh, in the way that we run our, our model of charity at Trailwear. Yeah. Interesting. And I think it's very interesting that you talked about there because obviously I think it is in a, like you say, food banks, we all know about food banks and the need to get food out there. But as you say, so often all the vital essentials get overlooked. And I, was, I, I could think of seeing times in, on sort of uh, groups on Facebook, sort of, you know, the sort of upcycle, recycle, free cycle type groups. The amount of times where you'll say, oh, you'll see someone say, the, you know, I need clothing. Yeah. Or, I know, so, you know, I'm helping someone, they need clothing. And as you say, it's such an easy area to overlook, but it's so obviously it's such a key essential thing in the same way food is. 
Well, it, it's um, a, it's a no-brainer. You know, obviously, yeah. food we, we, without food will starve, obviously. But without without clothes, if we're naked of actual clothing, but naked metaphorically of of love and compassion as well, then we can't function in life. Yeah. What, whatever our situation is, how whatever however dire or not our situation is, we can't function without clothing. No. So it's a no-brainer. Uh, and and what we've discovered in six years of running Shareware is that um, you, uh, clothing poverty in the UK is is rife in the general population. It's absolutely rife across the, across the whole country because we've done a lot of research and a lot of campaigning that has put us in touch with smaller clothing projects around the country. So we know this isn't a phenomenon that's you know unique to Nottinghamshire. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's we can see it across the whole of the UK. Um, and it and it's the reason one of the reasons it's particularly frustrating that it doesn't get a lot of media attention is that at the same time as people having no access to clothing through lack of funds we've got 300,000 tons of clothing going to landfill in the UK every year yes so we're yes. trying to put the two together and we're, we're trying to be the place where clothing poverty meets clothing waste basically yeah so, and, and it yeah. is something that is you know can be passed on in you know quite well yeah. you know i know obviously we have a i guess they call it fast fashion where we have a lot of cheap clothing now that doesn't last but there's still there's a lot of clothing i mean and i'm sure many of us can sort of remember growing up with you know clothing being passed down yeah yeah 100%. when i was a kid yeah. it was always that was how it always worked and yeah. i was the oldest and then it got passed down yeah. to my boys but then even then it came from you know older relatives yeah. and, 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 and i i was the youngest of a large family growing up on a council estate in relative poverty in the in the 70s and 80s and my clothes were like that you know they were hand-me-downs but with the um onset of fast fashion yeah some of our clothing today is not as good standard as that it will last through various hand-me-downs yeah. um and that so that you know there are all the issues around that obviously but then the, there are there is clothing that will be used and reused yeah. and reused and reused and in terms of women and, and baby clothing in particular for example um women you know tend to buy it's a, you know it's a bit of a stereotype but it is true it's a bit of a sweeping statement women do tend to buy a lot of clothes in the sales often without even trying them on they'll just buy them in the sales mm. then they get them home and and they don't um you know wear them and the guardian and rap did some research that found that um uh, there's an average of £185 worth of clothing hanging unworn in women's wardrobes. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, for, you know, per woman. So, um, so, th so there's that element of without the clothes actually having, needing to be hand-me-downs, there's that element of they have been consumed, as in they've been bought by a, a consumer, but never actually used by the yeah. consumers that bought them. But then they can be passed on, obviously, yeah. to other people for use. And then the same applies with baby clothing in a different way in that the baby clothing is used, but babies, especially newborn babies, tend to wear the size for such a very yeah. tiny period of time that it's still like new after they've outgrown it. So then yeah. obviously that can be used and reused and reused lots of times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was quite interesting what you were talking about, the scale of it, because I think like, we, again, we talked about food banks, and I think very few people would be surprised if you explain to them the scale of food poverty in this country at the minute. Yeah. People have not, you know, not all people are as um, compassionate in their reaction to that, or their well, the, the reasoning that they believe behind it. But most yeah. people are aware of it. But when you talk about that, I, I think people, a lot of most people, would probably be staggered to find out that clothing poverty is such a big thing because it just like well, I say it just doesn't get reported or talked about it goes on under the radar so well I, I go out and do a lot of public speaking on this issue and and since shareware attended um the major fashion festival uh, in february in london pure london i now um was about to go out around the whole country talking <laughs> about it as well obviously covid has put um, a pause yeah. on that but it will be resuming uh, on the other side of this. I've got all of that lined up and yet to come. And it's because it is as soon as people are, are faced with it as an idea and start to like think about it a little bit, it, they suddenly like, it's like a light bulb going on in their head. And they're suddenly like, oh yeah, it, it's obvious actually if people are choosing between 
eating and heating, which we hear a lot, yep. then obviously how are they clothing their kids as well? Um, and the, but clothing poverty is very complex in that the um, the kind of people that it affects and and the kind of differing clothing needs that um, that are out there from very basic ones to more specific ones. And, and we have actually we were featured in the Guardian in 2016 and the Independent, and then again in 2018 in the mm -hmm. iPaper. Um, and every time we're featured in in national press there's like a little flurry of interest afterwards but nothing really comes of it yeah and more, yeah. more has come of us of, of us putting ourselves at the center of the fashion industry in february when we attended pure london because that is just snowballing now and it's really put us at the center of the sustainable fashion you know um uh, area of debate and the sustainable development goals and all of that as well but in terms of clothing poverty itself you know what the gist of what I say when I go out and speak is that clothing poverty isn't confined to the street homeless population. It isn't a winter only issue. Yeah. Um, in terms of children, it doesn't just rear its head in August when families have to get school uniform for September. You know, we see this every year and Emma Hardy, the MP in uh, Hull and Hessel, that is part of the shadow cabinet now as well, um, there's a lot of campaigning about school uniform poverty uh, every summer holiday, but yeah. clothing poverty isn't, it's not restricted to these areas that I've just mentioned. It, it covers every aspect of clothing need you can think of from people, for people from newborn to 90. You know, it's very complex and very, um, very overarching as well. Yeah, and it's, it's about, obviously, it's not just about getting someone some clothing. It's, the, it's such a big beyond that because it could be a role of that layman that you know that the right clothing then enables somebody to go out and get a job interview yeah. present themselves at a job you talked about children and you know the confidence issue if children if a, if a kid's only got a very tiny number of clothing or not good condition clothing then there's a good chance they're probably going to hide away yeah not go out not because we know you know we all know that kids pick up if someone's wearing the same thing so it's yeah. it's a, such a wider and, and you know and like in the mental issues around the men, mental health issues around it and yeah, things absolutely. like that just, so it's such a key thing for pride and confidence and uh people's self-belief and things like that and i say no and it's just simple things like having something to wear to go to a job interview or even yeah, just to well, go out and mix with people yeah, and, and these in, this impact, this negative impact that lack of access to the right clothing has, or any clothing sometimes has on people's lives, is why is why in November 2018 we launched our Nothing to Wear campaign, yeah. which is our awareness raising campaign, and um, people like Julie Hesman Hall and Maxine Peake and the Paralympian Ollie Hind all got behind our campaign at that time, because they recognised what you've just said, you know, in that... Um, the the impact the general impact of lack of access to clothing through through no fault of your own through you know economic um poor situations is huge because it has a psychological impact it has an impact on your mental health and well-being yeah. it also has a physical health impact in that um we support people who need really thick winter clothing and blankets and stuff in the winter for in their own homes because they don't have any yeah. house. So it has physical health impact as well. So so that's the in general terms, they're the health and well-being impact that they have. But then the specific impact is that it, it's like two sides of the same coin. So on the one hand, lack of access to a suit means you won't be able to go for a job interview. But if you've got that suit, you can go for the job interview, you might get a job. And your whole cycle that you're stuck in, so the persistent poverty that you've become trapped in, suddenly you start to be able to begin to lift yourself out of that cycle. Yeah. So, so each of the needs that you can mention has um, has a reverse of that. It has what the positive impact is if you then can have that clothing for nothing, you know, at no cost to you. So suits are an obvious example. Um, but school uniform is another good example. You know, it's the, course, between, yeah. it's the difference between children attending school and not attending school. It's the difference between children 
attending and being bullied and not being bullied or even if they're not bullied feeling you know psychologically um impacted by that and it's also the difference between some schools who um put children into isolation if they're in the wrong uniform in school yeah. and the psychological uh, psychological impact that that has on them or sometimes even uh, temporarily exclude children for not being in the right uniform so uniform is another obvious example but then it's just basic things like um in nottingham um, we are blessed with a really amazing volunteer, volunteer and, and charity network in Nottingham. Just the, the breadth and depth and range of the work that happens is, compared to some of our neighbouring cities in the East Midlands, is, is superb. It really is. And, and one of the things that people sometimes perhaps don't think of is that um, if, you if you want to go to Nottingham Women's Centre, let's say, for some brilliant support that they give, in a range of ways there um but you haven't got any clothes to put on and i mean any because you 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 one set of clothing is in the wash yeah. and maybe you haven't got a washer or you can't afford to pay for washing so you like hand washing stuff and things then that is keeping you from the brilliant support that you could get at nottingham women's center or at a food bank or at somewhere that's giving free you know hot meals or that's giving debt advice or citizens advice or legal advice or all of those amazing things that happen across Nottingham. Yeah. You might not be able to go out and access that support simply because you haven't got any basic clothes yeah. to put on or nothing decent to put on and you, you're already worried about going and getting that advice from that place today. And the thing that's stopping you from going and getting it is that you feel about yourself in a really bad way. You think I can't go to Nottingham Women's Centre or citizens advice or wherever it is like this and it's not that you want to go you know looking like a model but everybody wants to feel okay about themselves don't they always of course, yes, yes. always so it, it's it's massive the impact that not having clothing can have because of the snowball effect that that can have yeah that's i think again again like you say that snowball effect is something that's so easily overlooked yeah in something like this so um in regards to shareware then so we've talked a little bit about how it got started and 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 why and how you got it started so what's the actual process then and, and how you work obviously um, you know you come from donations and then you you i think you said you get referrals in a similar way to food banks yeah and then you pass on uh, and you know obviously i guess yeah. you you meet with these people you address what they need and then yeah so in ordinary circumstances donations come into our base uh, we have um, our main base in daybrook in nottingham we have a, a little satellite base in in a church in sutton in ashfield as well uh, and people from uh, across the county not just the city um come with their referral form for our base um, that's been given them by you know the public sector or the, the rest of the voluntary sector and on the form it will say generally what type of clothing they need okay. and how many people they need it for and when they come they just they browse we don't give them a pack of clothes it's like they've gone clothes shopping but they just don't pay so everything's out on rails they go they browse and they can try on if they want to um, our children's clothing isn't out on rails and our bedding isn't either so we normally um, get that clothing together ready for the adult while the adult is browsing for their own clothes you know uh, but we still don't put a pack together we still lay out all, all the kind of size range that that client needs for the for the child and then they they pick and choose you know what it is that they want it's all about choice when they come to base and it's all about dignity and it's all about doing exactly what you would do if you had the money in your pocket to go and buy those clothes and the, the difference is you're not buying them, yeah. they're free. So when we're sorting through our clothing donations, um, our quality rule is if we wouldn't wear something ourselves or want to see a member of our family in it, we don't use it. So we'll, we'll come to what we do with that stuff afterwards. So basically everything that's out on our rails is very good and, and extremely high quality. And we have everything um, from Primark to Paul Smith together on the same rail. Um, from Matalan to Monsoon and um, and lots of designer names as well that I could mention and when we don't when we get clothes in that were designer 
Um, we don't sell them, we don't auction them off for our funds, they go on the rail with everything else. Um, because a, a very big part of what we do is about trying to pay respect to um, the people that manufactured those clothes. Um, because um, whether they were sold um, in one of our supermarkets or whether they were sold in a designer shop, sometimes they were made in similar conditions. So we like to pay equal respect to um, the people that made those clothing by kind of treating the clothes the same on our rails, if that makes sense. And also, and also just because someone is accessing free clothing doesn't mean they should be restricted to, you know, supermarket or, or kind of um, basic level, low level clothing. They should be able to access the same range of clothing that we can all go out and access when we go shopping. Yeah, that's, and I, that's my that's my personal belief anyway, and that's the belief that we've kind of carried over into shareware, and and it's what we stick to. Yeah, and I think the fact that you, like you say, you give them a choice as opposed to a pack is so again so important again for yeah. that confidence and that um, feeling treated as a human. And and, uh, and, and, and also know. coming back to like the designer clothes and stuff, like the guarantee that we give to our clothes donors um, is that. If you donate clothes to us, they will be given for free to someone um, in a professional, organised, referred way. So someone who we know definitely needs them yeah. and they'll be given to them for free. So if you give us something that's a really high value product, we are not going to auction it or sell it off in any way to make funds for our work, even though we desperately need funds, desperately. It will be given to someone for free because that's what our donor gave them us to do and that's what we do with them and always have brilliant excellent uh, okay then we come to obviously um the, the current uh, situation with the uh, covid virus and and the lockdown and social distancing and obviously that's going to have meant a, a massive adaptability change to how you yeah. to work because it you know it affects you know both donations and how you get stuff out uh, yeah. I guess that's had a big impact and it came about you know although we, I think we all knew the lockdown was coming when it around when it did it still yeah. was a very fast process from sort of yeah news first coming out of this virus to lockdown was a couple of months which is a very fast process when you've got to adapt and make new plans and procedures so how yeah. how and particularly um, I think when you're an organization I think you have like one part-time employee and then volunteer yeah. service yeah. so how difficult was it to to try and to sort of adapt and put in new procedures so quickly well it's been very challenging obviously we've had to work around the clock to implement it um uh, we could very easily have said you know we just need to kind of not operate for the foreseeable and come through this yeah. but of course when there's a crisis and um, people who are already in crisis are becoming deeper crisis so so we're needed you know we, we're needed now more than we've ever been and the, and the figures that we're working with at the moment like have borne that decision out so yes i'm a part-time employee and we do have one other uh, part-time employee as well that like, kind of answers all of our general communications for us as well general inquiries and and what we've had to do is as you quite rightly pointed out it um it's affected every aspect of our work but it's affected um, how we get clothing donations. It's affected the capacity of our volunteer team, and it's affected how we can support our um, the people that need our support. We, I, I try to not use the word client or beneficiary or any of those words. They're people, and they're just people yeah. that need our support. And so, in terms of the clothing donations, um, we've introduced a contactless pavement pickup system, which we do on a kind of on a location basis. And that's been working really, really well. And, and the general public in Nottingham have really pulled all the stops out to get behind that. We're just now um, going to have to play catch up a little bit briefly because we've just had a massive uh, collection on Saturday, the 18th of April in Mapley, um, which is going to take our depleted team some time to um, bounce back from, let's say. Um, but it was just such a generous donation that we now need to safely um, deal with that. Um, before we can kind of carry on again with the rest of the pavement pickups, and Arnold Fire Station have been supporting us yeah. in that as well. So that's been that's been much needed, and, and you know, really brilliant support. So that's the, the donations from um, from 
a client point of view, I've um, sorry, I've just made some notes and lost my drift. Then from a, from a, from a, from the people we support point of view, um, normally as I've said, people come to our base and browse for clothing. So obviously we're not having browsing sessions at the moment. No. So we have got we've got about three volunteers at the most on site at any one time. We'd normally have at any one time between like six and ten on site. Um, so we've hardly got any physical bodies in the building. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is usually support workers, charity workers, advisors, social workers would give a referral form to the person that needs the help and they would come over to us. Now we've, we're working directly with the referring person now rather than the person that's having the clothes. So the support worker, the social worker, whoever it may be, is contacting us with the needs of the person they're supporting, the clothing needs. We get that put together for the social worker and then the, the worker arrives at our door and we, through the door, pass them the clothes to take out then to that person. So we're not seeing the person directly at the moment. We're working with the person that has referred them in a safe way. So that obviously that's taken the choice element um out of, out of our support at the moment but that's all we can do that's the only safe way we can operate and um, people you know still need the clothing yeah. and if they're not able to choose it to keep them safe then the priority is keeping them safe obviously and keeping everyone safe um, and in terms of volunteer team this kind of links into the model that i saw in brazil in that our volunteer team is made up um by a good third of the team are people that we have supported at Shareware. Okay. Who then say, I want to now volunteer at Shareware. So they are uh, people in, in difficult situations themselves in life, in life. And we have some people in the high risk group on the volunteer team as well, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the long and the short of the demographic of our volunteer team is that we've only really got about 10% of the team that can safely work at the moment. So that's how it's impacted in a, in a volunteering uh, way. At the same time as that happening, the, the outreach part of our work, which I described earlier, that we always do in normal circumstances, where we're delivering bulk to refugee forum, to um, social services, to probation services, to the, to the hospitals, both hospitals, city and QMC, that work is ongoing and has actually upscaled because some of those organisations, so um, probation services would be a good example and social services. Some of those organisations mostly, normally, refer people directly into us so they can come and have a choice. But they also have some outreach deliveries as well. So obviously now they've gone over to a complete outreach system and because they're not coming down to the base for a family here and a family there. They're yeah. doing it all yeah. while doing bulk delivery to them. So because of that change in the way that we're working, we've seen in the first half of April a 300% increase in the, amount, in, the, in the need for our service. And we're, we're meeting that need with 10% of our team. So um, that's in, that in a nutshell, that's how COVID has affected us yeah. and that's how we're getting through it. But by everyone... By like with the with the recent help from Arnold Fire Station and with the cooperation and the patience of our very generous donor network across the county, um, you know we'll get there. We're managing, but we we obviously we need people to people who want to support us. We, they need to work with us and and realise the kind of limitations that we're working under at the moment. In addition to the extra pressure being put on the service, yeah. I think people, you know, I think it feels that essentially that people are adapting quite well in general to something that three months ago would have sounded like something out of a, a science fiction novel or something. Yeah. In fact, would have been rejected as a science fiction novel for being too unrealistic. And I think, like you said, it's staggering because you've got you've got demand that's shut up, yeah, while capability is in terms of um, resource has, has yeah. dropped has dropped and you're then having to do your best to balance that out as, as well as you can um, yeah and it and it's literally it literally is a balancing act basically yeah 
And, and obviously, it's not even on a week by week basis either. Like like everyone out there, it's on a day by day basis because the moment the moment any of that ten percent of the team um, have to self isolate for a fortnight, then you know, <laughs> then of we're course, up against yeah. it. So yeah, myself um, included in that, you know. So yeah. And one of the things that's come up quite a lot in just talking to all sorts of people like this is is that you know it's so open ended at the moment. We really don't know how long this is going to go on you know the, the peaks and troughs to it this is, you know even if things get relaxed there's a very good chance there's going to be a second wave or at least some kind of distancing going on um probably until we get a vaccine in place which at best you're looking at 18 months and that's talking at low you know it's a rate never met before so it, it's so hard to plan when you don't have a an end line so you are yeah. you, you can't even say right we've this is what we're going to do for the next six months or the next three months or whatever because it might be the next nine it might be up and yeah. down it's or it will be up and down it's it's such an unprecedented thing that it's almost you have to do it on the fly yeah it's absolutely on the fly and and you know if major corporations can't um plan for all of those yeah. like limitless different you know possibilities then how can small charities like ourselves plan yeah. for it you know you just just have to take um you know plan or plan one one week at a time and, and keep on offering the support that we're, we're offering and like this week again we've got lots of appointments from support workers that will be coming down to base this week for people that need help we're preparing our next monthly hospital delivery that you know we've been doing that work for two years anyway that's nothing yeah. to do with covid um so yeah we just we just keep plugging on and and thanking people for the help they're giving us but also the patients that they're going to have to um employ at the moment you know if they want to support us do you know about the 2.6 challenge darren no no i'm not familiar with that one okay so the 2.6 challenge has been devised by fans and organizers of the london marathon so obviously the London Marathon would have happened on the 26th of April, this yeah. Sunday, and we know that raises millions of pounds for charity every year. So 2.6 has been put together as a, a way of in a way of in some way replacing the charity money that would have been raised by the London Marathon for charities both big and small. And we're taking part in 2.6 challenge, um, and um, we've we've spoken about that on our social media already. We're waiting for our actual dedicated link to come through now from Just Giving. And basically, it's where um, people, in terms of in terms of fairware, people who might really want, they might be listening now and really really want to support us, perhaps with a load of clothes that they're clearing out at this time while they're stuck at home. That's fabulous, and we do want them, but we might not be able to get to them as quickly as you would like. So in the meantime, while you're being patient to support us with clothing, this is a really fun thing that people could do, even as a whole family, on or around that date of the 26th of April. And it's basically, you think of a fun challenge, but it doesn't need to be a challenge, not just like a bit of fun. You know? Yeah. But a fun challenge around the numbers 26 or 2.6 or any variations of those numbers. And then you decide what your challenge is going to be that you're going to do and you post it online with our just giving link and you basically get people to just pledge money to your just giving link for you to do that challenge and then um, people are already coming up with loads of brilliant ideas like doing 26 bakes on that day even though there's no flour <laughs> because there's no flour in the shops so that really will be a challenge so that's yeah. an interesting one um or all versions of you know 26 um uh, keep your pace you know 26 in terms of pulling you know lifting weights or whatever it is um and so we literally just launched that last night because we're, we're just giving us struggling to um issue all the links at the moment i think because lots of people around the country are wanting to do it so that, that's a fun way that people could engage with what we're doing and do something fun at home this weekend when they can't go out anywhere because it's a challenge that can be done in your garden in your house or somewhere safe in your local neighborhood that doesn't involve traveling miles and you can do a long way from anybody else so you know that's 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 a way that people could get involved right now right while they're waiting yeah. uh, for us to be able to get clothes from them and there are, there are countless ways that people can get involved with what we're doing if you follow us on social media we've got a really 
we're, we're on Twitter and Instagram, but our most active platform is, is Facebook, where we've got a big following. And um, we post regularly on there about everything that we've been up to. We always have done for six years, not just during COVID. But we're, we're now also using it as a way of inspiring people with, with other ways that they could support us whilst, whilst we can't yet kind of process clothes as quickly as we would normally process them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think it's been interesting actually seeing things that people have come up with at this time, like you say, the, yeah. this challenge and the different things coming up with, and seeing that on a scale in the way people have been doing all sorts of things, you know, doing video recorded versions of your podcast. You know, we yeah. see people like you know doing musicians doing gigs and things from their their room, and it does. There's that sense of you know adversity does bring out that side of us, but also. Yeah. That's an element like you talked about this challenge. Not only this challenge is great, but it can help people support shareware and what they're doing. I think it's also great for people because one yeah. of the problems at the minute is um, is just this sort of everything is sort of blurring or into sort of one continuous yeah. spell because you're not leaving your home very often. Most people you're either unable to work or if you're lucky, like myself, you can work from home you know kids yeah. are at home so having these events to focus on you know yeah. to look forward to 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 come up with to plan like you say you can plan it with you you can sit down and plan it with your family you've got yeah. something to focus and aim on so beyond not just helping out which is obviously brilliant and particularly at a time when charities i guess are, and organizations are really struggling in that sense because people are obviously a lot of people are struggling financially at this time but it's great for people as well at a time when a lot of people are maybe starting to, to, to struggle a bit in terms of the way that every day today is becoming a sort of almost like it's going to be difficult to know what day you're on. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, for, pe for people with children at home in particular who can't tell the difference between a school day when they're, when they're doing, you know, set school tasks and the weekend when they would normally have had treats, you know, and now aren't getting them. Um, the 2.6 calendar is, is brilliant for children in particular because it let them come up with the ideas, you know, and kids are great, aren't they? They'll come up with all yeah. kinds of weird and wonderful things. And, oh, yeah. And, and in terms of um, the challenge being good for people, apart from it being good for shareware as well, is that, um, uh, uh, again, kind of coming back to the Brazilian, the, the Latin American model of, of charity is that it's my personal belief that Charities also have a responsibility to the people that support them. So whilst they're there to support those who need their service, I think if they're, if they're centred in a community, then they have a responsibility to that community as well and to, and to the kind of well-being of that community. And now, of course, our community has become virtual. But because of it being virtual, it's also become bigger. So this is a way of us saying to our... Uh, virtual and and very physical demographic of of supporters you know this is this is something for you and yes shareware will benefit from it but it is for you as well it's and and i do think that that all charities have a responsibility for the well-being of the communities in which they're located oh, and you, obviously we, you alluded to it earlier and it was something that sort of only occurred to me while we were talking that at this time obviously i imagine and i know for a fact that's something i've been doing that there are a lot of people um having big clear outs and going through all their stuff at the moment i think yeah. you mentioned that earlier because you suddenly find yourself at home a lot with very little to do yeah, so this is in on a positive side of things there's a, this is a great time where people will be potentially looking at what they can do with large amounts of clothing and things that they yeah. no longer require but as you've also pointed out at the moment you don't have the capacity to yeah. um well, to collect it also what's the yeah. best pro if somebody is you know sorting through their items mm. what's the best process to arrange with yourselves at the moment so obviously okay. they're not overpowering or you know it's not yeah. you're not being overpowered for what you can handle at the moment Okay, so uh, prior to Saturday, we, we, were, we were keeping pace with the pavement pickups, we but then Saturday we had five times the amount of clothing donated that, as we anticipated, which is marvellous, but obviously we now need to deal with that situation. Yes. Uh, so 
I would say if people are having clear out at the moment is um, if you've got space anywhere to keep those clothes, please do sit on them as long as you're able to, because we do want them, but we just need to be able to manage to get to them. But, um, or, you know, if you've got friends on your street, obviously not congregating at each other's houses, but if you can find some sort of way of, if there's a friend or a neighbour who's got more space than others, yeah. maybe you could arrange for um, friends and neighbours' clothes in a, in a non-public arranged way, you know, in a privately arranged yeah. way. Um, that you'll take them to that person's house on such and such a day and that person will run them all in their garage, you know. So that's something you could do to organise locally and safely in a very small way um, to, for your clear-outs to be, to be held safely for us until we can get to them. Um, but what I would say is that if people are having big clear-outs and maybe they're having a massive clear-out and they're like thinking, where do I even start? Well, what we urgently need, and we'll, and we'll continue to take, even while we're playing catch-up at the moment, is all men's clothing of every size and type. Um, bedding, but especially single bedding. And we do take duvets as well, not just bedding uh, covers and, and sheets. Uh, and towels as well. And another way that people could support us, even if they're not having a clear out as well, is that um, we only deal in new underwear, obviously, yeah. and our, stock, our stocks of new knickers, pants, and socks, um, adult well, adult ones anyway, are have almost disappeared. So, um, yet the other day, um, a big parcel arrived at my door that somebody had, had ordered a load of packs of underwear from one of our retailers and had them delivered directly to, to me. So that's another way that people could support as well. And all of that, you'll find all of that information on our, yeah, uh, on our Facebook say. page about how people could um, get in touch to organise that. Um, and of course, that's not that's not saying do that instead of having a clear out. That's something no. you can do a lot, along with a clear out as well. Because you see, the other thing as well is that um, whilst we have to bear in mind that a lot of people um, are, are not earning what they would normally earn at the moment, or they've been furloughed, or um, God forbid, some self-employed people maybe you know really struggling and maybe their businesses might you know not survive this or whatever yeah. but for for all of the many thousands of people that are going to be adversely affected economically by covid there are people in the um upper sectors of of the economy whose jobs are not going to be affected by this um who aren't going to be financially you know um suffering as a result of covid and perhaps now have quite a lot of disposable income that previously they were spending on family days out and you know uh, trips that they've got planned uh, airbnb weekends away and stuff like that that are now not happening and so you know this is maybe a, a great time for that sector of the community to look at how they could use some of that disposable income to support people that are still plugging away in nottingham to help with the yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that again yeah definitely agree with that but also i think again that you mentioned there I think you've got to think about not only what's happening now, but the long-term knock-on effect this is going yes. to have, because we already yeah. know, you know, predictions of the economy shrinking by, you know, a third. Yeah. And as you said, despite what the government are, are doing to help, um, there are going to be people that lose their jobs during this time. There are going to be businesses that don't make it through, no matter what help yeah. is provided. And even beyond when we do get back to whatever becomes the new normal, because I don't think we'll go back. It won't. Things will not go back to how they were before. This is going to change things. We are talking possibly, you know, we're probably talking a decade, a generation going to be impacted by this and yeah. whatever methods um, they put in place to try and rebuild what they've spent and history yeah. suggests that we know who are probably going to be most hit by that yeah. when they do put methods in if we look back at previous um recessions and such so we yeah. you know there's going to be a massive knock-on impact with that which is obviously going to um be something that's going to come to the doors of companies like these organizations like yourself it's probably yeah. going to be a growing demand yeah for that I mean, going absolutely. forward yeah i mean coming full circle like we, we you know we were talking ages ago about what clothing poverty is and who it affects 
and that it isn't what people think it is you know it's not a street homelessness issue it's something that can affect anybody and and you, you're absolutely right in that because of the economic downfall of this when we get around to the other side of it and the ongoing implica implications of that all all organizations that alleviate poverty in the uk well and worldwide that alleviate their own local poverty in their own areas are going to see a massive increase in the number of people needing yeah. support from them so the, the small charity sector is absolutely up against it in that at the moment it's operating it's busier than ever but it's got less volunteers etc than ever the the um, Kind of competition for funding is going to even ramp up even Bullshit. more to what it already is and then on top of that on the other side of it all of those small charities are going to see a massive increase in the number of people needing their support so it's just it's just huge it just and it but it's huge for every everybody isn't it in the world and you're right about um you know a lost decade um a lost generation or whatever it is it is going to be similar to you know, post-war periods, isn't it, where it takes yeah. a couple of decades for for things to start to um, kind of bounce back to anywhere near where they were before, or maybe we, maybe things need to bounce back in a different way anyway. So, but that's another another discussion. Yes, yeah, so I've had that conversation, and yeah. um, and I I'd like to think that that what we you know because we're seeing some amazing things happening at the moment. You know, in, in terms of people, community, and people helping and working together and I'd like you know this part of me likes to think that we might see a change in the way but at the same time um I I'm not I'm not holding my breath I don't think that no. it won't take long before things revert back to a similar kind of way um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see isn't it whether whether it's a kind of short memory situation and things quickly revert back to how they were or or whether um, the crisis becomes a watershed moment in history, and that uh, it's the, the beginning of a, a you know a, a new era in, in world history, really, in 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 social history, you know, in the world, and, and the way that society turns now is society going to turn as a result of this crisis? Only only time will tell. Won't yes, that's it. Is at the moment, um, well, at the moment, all we can really do is focus on getting through it. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah. we're still in the, the trenches to badly use a war analogy but yeah, yeah it's um yeah i don't know like i say it's an unprecedented thing especially you know in my lifetime um and i think it's it's a long road ahead and uh, uh it's just impossible to predict so much of it in the meantime the people that were already supporting um you know people in need out there before any of this was a twinkling in anybody's eye um are just still plodding on doing that aren't they but doing yeah. doing it with knobs on really and and we'll be doing it with knobs on come the autumn yeah yeah and that's it and that is again it's so great that there's still those people able to do that or committed to do that because as and i think you said earlier you know it would have been very uneasy and to and understandable had you had you said look we just cannot continue during this period yeah we don't have the resources the the complications around you know all the guidelines and the, the rulings brought in yeah and I, I think that would have been understandable but as you said but that need hasn't gone, gone away in fact it's you know it's trebled or you know yeah. jumped it's well, jumped up i mean if you if you're there if you, if you exist for people in crisis situations um in general anyway and that's why you started six years ago then when an unprecedented crisis occurs whatever that crisis is whether it's a virus or whatever it is then as a as an organization you have a responsibility to try to step up don't you not yeah. step down yeah. if you can if you can and at the moment we've been able to now as i said earlier at the moment any of our 10 percent people that are left have to uh, you know are out of action for a couple of weeks or longer then that might change you know every every the changing picture for all of us isn't it all the time but but so far um it, it's been a situation it's been a case of well we need to step up so we'll 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 we will you know we'll try to so. yeah and great and like you say that that and that one of the biggest things in this is is just not knowing and that you know this played a part in in everything that's happened how quickly you can suddenly find your organisation depleted. Yeah. 
you know, because, you know, someone has to self-isolate and we know that, you know, that can, have, you know, have a widespread impact on how many other people need to yeah. self-isolate and, and, and things like that. Without volunteer team as well, because um, so many of our team are, uh, are living in challenging situations themselves, uh, not many of our team drive, uh, you know, and have a car. Yeah. So in terms of people's safety and, and, and people making essential journeys and stuff as well, you know, some of those volunteers that aren't um, attending at the moment, it's not because they've said they don't want to, it's because we've said we don't want you to get on a bus to come and volunteer with us because the risks to everybody of you getting on a bus yeah. far outweigh you coming and volunteering at base. So, you know, in some cases, it's a case of we've stood people down. And, and, and that it's times like this when, when you have a volunteer team that are um, economically challenged themselves, it's times like this that it really bites. Yeah. They can't just safely jump in their car and, and come down, you know, without, without coming into contact with anybody else like the rest of us who've got cars can. So yeah, it's it makes it extra challenging, really. And, yeah. Uh, that reminds me that today, the twentieth of April, um, someone has made me aware is actually um, Worldwide Volunteer Appreciation Day. Today. Oh. So, yeah. So it's a very good day for us to be talking. It is, and I think it's. Um, I'm sure we'd all like to send our appreciation out to the, the many people that volunteer at all times. You know. Yeah. Really. Whatever's going on. But yeah, and I think especially in, especially in Nottingham, because as I said earlier, you know, it's just phenomenal the voluntary work yeah, that happens in Nottingham. Yeah. It, it is incredible. There's so many organisations, and my, you know, my experience of the ones I'm, I know of and have, have spoken to and things is there's also they seem to work very well together. Yeah. As well, I think there's a good, yeah. very strong collaboration i think is the work best word and spirit between Absolutely. those organizations which is so important and as you've mentioned at the beginning it's you know because and the, the, the truth is that the people that need your help are mo are very likely to also need the help of food banks they yeah, quite prop, there's a very large chance they may need the help of of organizations like framework yeah. And organisations are even, you know, mental health organisations, addiction yeah. charities and things like that, because, you know, very few people. These these kind of issues are tied up in so many things, you know, yeah. in we, economic we sign, health we, and things like we that. We signpost as well, because we don't we don't normally have to do a lot of signposting because because people are referred into us they've been referred into a service that is already supporting them with yeah. that other need but sometimes people are referred into us via varying routes and they might not be getting that type of support that they need for their for their other issues that they have so we you know obviously we signpost to other organizations in the city and county as well yeah and i think then it's it's key isn't it as well that you like you say because Otherwise, you know, for, for as much as you help in the best way you can, if they're also not getting or being or at least getting the chance to to, to look at those other areas in it out, then you kind of put in a, a sticky plaster over a, you are, yeah. a, a broken it, leg almost. You know, it needs a it needs a holistic approach if you're gonna lift yourself out of the situation yeah. that you found yourself in. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we could talk for ages about the the high scope of all of that and and things that need to be improved all the way up the scale in terms of support in general and the way that it's funded and just attitudes to it as well which again is something i'm hoping that might change because i think there's an element of people that may have had what you might call cynical or dismissive attitudes to people struggling are being pulled into that now because of what's happened there's people yeah. that have you know we've seen you know the impact it's had on universal credit where they had i think it was the equivalent of of a of three weeks amount of applications in a weekend yeah and people and we've seen i'm sure we've all seen in the you know some of the attitudes towards benefits and things that yes. were, were you know played on in the austerity that you know it was they were used as a beating beating stick almost so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm maybe I'm, maybe I'm being overly optimistic in that sense. And like you said earlier, maybe, you know how quickly people may return to type, but you know maybe we'll see a, a more understanding 
and uh, compassionate attitude from people. Well, let, you know, we have to hope that that's the case, don't we? And and if and if the response to the virus is anything to go by, then that is what we will see, and and this will be the beginning of a of a new era in 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 society, let's say. So we have to hope that that's going to be the case, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we can look back and say, you know, if you look at some of the most important things this country did in terms of supporting people, and they are probably, you know, the NHS and the social you know, welfare support system social security yeah. was both came in you know in the aftermath of the second world war yeah. and so we there's a there's an element of a precedent there that says that it does these kind of events can change there, there is an example there of what can be achieved is what you're saying so we need to yeah. hope that that's what we will achieve again and however it comes about we have to hope that it comes about it does yeah, yeah. um but then you know the organizations you like yourself will just will always be there keep doing your bit and as much as you can yeah. and uh you know particularly during such a challenging time where day by day you're just having to adapt and and uh you know we just don't know at the minute we'll, whether things will get you know restrictions will get worse will they get ease up up and down you know will we get a second wave in the winter obviously you know and then there's the whole as we saw at the beginning you know if, if we get this again in winter that adds added issues again yeah. you know so since the lockdown so far we've it's been reasonably nice and that's played a part in terms of it that's helpful that people can at least go out and have a walk yeah or, you know there are, we know there are other complications that come with winter in terms I, I, of need. And again, you talked about heating earlier. Yeah. People have to choose between food and food and heating, and that's going to be multiplied, amplified if this similar kind of thing is going on. Well, let's hope we time, don't have yeah. a, a winter wave. I, I try not to, in terms of the virus, I try not to... Um, think about what might or might not happen yeah. too much because um, my daughter works in the NHS she's on the front line and um so I I have to kind of not go there too much in my brain can, yeah for my own anxiety levels really so yeah yeah and it's cousin obviously it's all is everywhere at the minute isn't it as well yeah so the, it, the you know it's very difficult to es escape not just in terms of the impact on your life but just the intensity of it being basically all that is talked about is featured yeah, it's, 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 it's all, all it's, yeah. yeah and that like you're saying it's very difficult to to get a, a proper understanding of it as well which as you say so you're gonna like you said it's so easily and it, you know we all know the, the severity of it but it's it's very easy for it to be you know run within a way that can be terrifying even more so than it already is so yeah i can i, can, I, yeah. I have to uh, limit how much thought i give to it is what i'm saying so, yes of because course it, yeah. if i uh, if i allowed my anxieties about my daughter to overtake me now i wouldn't be able to carry on twirling on at showway would i say um, yeah. yeah yeah excellent um well before i sort of wrap things up and i get back to it obviously the the key things now is is the best places for people to go to find out more if they want to support and obviously we've talked about yeah you said your, your facebook pages um i guess the sort of the center point of it is yeah the, the best place to go yeah so our, our website fairwearclothingscheme.org is quite static um it, it has got um like a news blog on there but it's not been updated for some time um, and our, our, our most up-to-date and most um, engaging platform is our Facebook page, Fairway Nottum. Um, equally, if you're a Twitter or Instagram uh, fan instead, you'll find us on Twitter at Fairway Knots and Instagram at Fairway Clothing Scheme. But in terms of our impact stories and really getting a feel for the nitty-gritty of what we always do, never mind just now, then um, Facebook is where you'll be able to kind of engage in, in the most detailed way. Yeah. Excellent. And you can um, also um, contact us via our Facebook page as well with the message facility yes, on there. Of course. So, yeah. And that's obviously because I know you mentioned, obviously, um, at the moment you're dealing with the massive donation you've had. Yeah. But you do, you mentioned obviously that you do the, 
the street location yeah. collections and I guess that's the best place to find out where they will be yeah or, place. or if people wanted to ask about where to have uh, new underwear delivered to you know of course can, yeah they can message our page and find out as well so, so if people aren't on social media at all and they just want to like email in for more information on anything I've talked about today you, they can just email info at sharewearclothingscheme.org brilliant excellent well thank you very much for for chatting to us this afternoon and for telling us more about your organization and you know particularly for talking about you know how you're adapting because i think people are always interested to see how um how different people are and different organizations are adapting to something that is affecting everybody mm -hmm. and uh uh, but yeah, thank you very much, and uh, no problem. Thank and you good, and, and and good luck with it. And maybe hopefully we can, you know, catch up, you know, down the line when things are a bit more, yeah, uh, let's back, hope so. back to normal. So brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks, There you go. Massive thanks to Louise Cook for taking time out to talk to us. Incredible what Shareware are doing and that they're battling through. So, you know, as I said in that episode, they're in, the demand is up by 300% while they've got 10% of the resources. And that, you know, and that even that is something that's constantly uh, could change at any moment because obviously we still know things like the self, you know, the self isolation. If you get symptoms, things like that can, can hammer a company. Um, but it's great that they're still getting out there. It's great that they're still looking for donations and ways you can help. Obviously, the 2.6 challenge that we talked about in the show passed, but there are still many ways you can help organisations like this. And you know, please check them out. Find out how you know. Find out more about them and ways you can help them. At their website sharewareclothingscheme.org. You can find out more there. Uh, next week's episode, I can tell you we are talking about a new festival that's recently been out, a virtual festival you may have heard of called Not Stopping. This is taking place at the end of the month, 23rd and 24th of May, which is the bank holiday weekend. A huge virtual festival, uh, music, comedy, food, poetry, uh, and loads, loads more. And uh, it's being organised by the people behind Hockley Hustle and uh, Circle of Light and I had a chat with two of the organisers, organisers, uh, Ben Welch and Trisha Gardner, about the upcoming festival, the plans behind it, what people can expect for it, and the kind of work that's gone into it. Uh, and that's so. That's next week's episode. So be sure to check that out. Please let us know what you thought of this episode. Please give us a like, uh, a review. You know, help spread the word on the show. As ever, you can check out all episodes of ngmeets at ngdigital.podbean.com or on whatever podcast app you're using, as well as Spotify and places like that. So please check us out. Please check out some of our past issues. We've got more great issues coming up. We're trying to get these, keep these going while we're on lockdown. Uh, eventually, hopefully, obviously, we can get back to doing the face-to-face -face podcasts as they were done. But in the meantime, you know, Look after yourselves, stay safe, keep following the guidelines and uh, we'll get through this together. But thanks again for listening and until next week, goodbye.